Hey, ass butt. Hey y'all, Rochelle here. And Lynn. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate and review us on your podcast platform. Or share us on social media so more folks out there can join the Idgits and Aspets family. And don't forget to subscribe as well so you automatically have our newest episodes. We have music now. We might be official. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. I know after 200 episodes, we have a musical intro. So my By friend. We've got our shit <laughs> kind of somewhat figured out. <laughs> I know, somewhat, somewhat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my friend Jared made that for us. Thank you. We love it. Also, yes, Jared is also, also known as Mom Squad Dad. Or maybe. <laughs> mom squad grandpa because eric's younger i don't really know i don't know who's the mom squad dad now i guess we should that title. <laughs> there was a debate that i <laughs> there was a whole that thing about yeah <laughs> about who was actually the mom squad dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway thank you jared it's lovely and amazing and we love it and you so thank you thank you uh, okay so today uh, today we have not podcasted in weeks and we don't remember what we're doing so <laughs> forgive us we this could go probably let's be real like every other episode <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what we're doing still still four and a half years five years i don't even know something like that when, i don't know what yeah point. yeah we're, we're still figuring it out so <laughs> today <laughs> talking about uh season 10 episode 9 called the things we left behind I don't particularly care for this episode. I think that it, I, it's not that it's bad and the acting is great, but it just makes me sad. Just the whole, the whole Claire journey to find where she's at and where she's been is so depressing and sad and awful. And I don't like it, you know? Yeah, I, the Claire part of it is kind of like, eh, I don't know, like, I don't like it. I don't dislike it, whatever. I like a lot of the Crowley moments in this episode, oh, though. For, yeah, like, with that, <laughs> so, like, that kind of makes up for the kind of, like, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, again, it's not bad, uh, but just kind of, like, I don't know how I feel about it, you know. It just depresses me. And, I mean, it's supposed to. Like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm feeling the way they want me to feel. But it's, yeah, yeah it's just, it's sad. But, yeah, the, the Crowley stuff, you know, Rowena is always a delight. And you really get to see more of her kind of masterful manipulation and it's mm -hmm. not subtle <laughs> and it's, it's, it's just really fun to watch so Battle anyway subtle is the canon. <laughs> yeah, exactly okay so we start out with dean who is kneeling on the floor in a living room uh he's covered in blood and there are dead bodies all around him uh he looks like he's sort of in shock uh, and then he suddenly wakes up from that bad dream. He gasps and sit up some, sits up in bed. Oh, this is not going well. All He's doing sit-ups. <laughs> He's doing sit-ups and I'd gasping. <laughs> I, yep. That's a yep. <laughs> okay. So uh, he sits up in his bed. He's in the bunker. Uh, and then he looks down at his arm at the mark of Cain. Uh, 
Uh, we cut to the Youth Transition Center in Pontiac, Illinois. A teenage girl with curly blonde hair is escorted through uh, the doors by a policeman holding her arm. The girl says, get your hands off me, perv. I'll sue your ass. So the policeman hands her bag off to someone and then leads her further down the hall. They stop in front of a woman named Sandy, who I think is in charge of the place, certainly in charge of this girl. <laughs> um, Sandy says, what was it this time? The policeman says, shoplifting. The guy ain't looking to press charges, but I figured you'd want her back. Sandy says to the girl, that's 48 hours in isolation. The girl says, ooh, scary. Uh, and then uh, the policeman leads her to a room and pushes her inside. Sandy watches at the door while the girl walks around a room. And she's like kicking the bed and punching the wall and kind of like growling at everything. Throwing a little temper tantrum. A little fit, yeah. <laughs> Um, an orderly walks up beside Sandy and asks, who is this girl? Sandy says, one of our frequent flyers, Claire Novak. So we cut to the next morning. Claire is sitting on the floor of the room when the orderly opens the door. The orderly says, Novak, you got a visitor. Claire says, really? The orderly says, your father's here to see you. Claire looks totally shocked and then Cass walks into her room. Uh, and Claire has herself a flashback. Um, and well, I guess we just get the flashback. Whatever. I don't know if it's Claire's flashback. Is it just like a flashback? I think it's just a flashback of last time we saw Claire. Probably. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I always say that it's their flashback, but I guess it's our flashback. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, <laughs> uh, so we see young Claire and she says, daddy. And Cass says, I am not your father. And then back in real time, Cass says, Hello, Claire. It's been a long time. And we get our opening title sequence. Um, so uh, we're still in the room with Claire and Cass. She stands up and Cass says to the orderly, can we have a moment? The orderly says, I'll be outside. So he leaves and closes and locks the door behind him. Cass says, I'm not your father. And Claire so is immediately like, no, disappointed. Shit, I know, right? Like, come on. <laughs> Claire says, right, I'm not your father. Those are the first words you ever said to me. Remember? Cass says, I remember everything. Claire says, so do I, Castiel. My dad, is he still in there? Cass says, no. The human soul, it can only occupy a body while it retains a certain structural integrity. And this vessel, it was it was ripped apart on a subatomic level by an archangel. <laughs> like... You could have just said no, probably. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, but the, I would want to know why, though. I, you're right. I would, too. Oh. Yeah. Claire says, well, then, how are you? Cass says, I was reassembled. Your father is in heaven. Claire says, well, yay for him. Anyway, good talk. You can get the hell out of my life now. Cass says, Claire. Claire says, what? Huh? What? You took everything from me. What do you want now? Cass says, nothing. I just, I came here to help you. Claire says, why? Uh, Cass says, because I've hurt you so much. And Claire is like trying really hard not to cry. Cass also, says, you could hear, like, you could practically hear the song Too Little Too Late playing in the background. <laughs> for real, yeah. Cass says, where's your mother? Claire says, about a few months after you, she took off, dropped me off at my grandma's, and went to go find herself. I guess she's still looking. Cass says, and you're in a child prison? <laughs> Claire says, it's a group home. After my grand died, I didn't have anyone. So I bounced around to different foster families. 
places like this. Live in the dream, you know? Cass says, well, Claire, I'm sorry, and I can never replace what I took from you, but if there's anything you need, anything at all, Claire says, get me out of here. Cass says, how? Claire says, do you own a tie? Okay, I guess I didn't realize that Cass is walking around tieless. How long has he been tieless? This is like one of my biggest thoughts (laughs) about this whole episode. Like, I mean, sure, there are moments, I guess, when he's tieless, but don't. Whatever. Okay, we'll talk about it later. Like, all right, we can talk about it later. (laughs) All right. So we cut to a short time later, and we're in Sandy's office. Cass is adjusting the tie around his neck and kind of loosening it. Claire says, stop it. And she reaches over and fixes the tie. She says, there, now you look like a dad. Uh, Sandy walks in with a file in her hand. Cass tries to stand up, but Sandy says, no, no. So Cass sits back down. Sandy says, so, Mr. Novak, I understand you want custody of your daughter. Cass says, yes, that's a... And then he clears his throat and makes his voice a little smoother sounding, a little less Cass, a little more Misha. (laughs) Cass says, that's right. Sandy says, why? Cass says, excuse me? Sandy says, it's a simple question. You vanish for years. No contact, not even a Christmas card. Why come back now? Cass says, I, uh, I didn't, uh, I was traveling. Claire says, for work. Cass says, work, yes. Sandy says, long trip. And what is it that you do exactly? Cass says, I, uh, I fight certain deadly threats to humanity. Claire says, he's an exterminator. Here's the thing. What I don't understand is why they don't just, why he doesn't just go, I work for the government and I had to be gone for it. Like that would be way more believable than saying you were an exterminator on an extended trip, you know? like. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I just like choked on my own saliva there. <clears throat> um, yeah. I guess the point is that they're not quick enough with their, you know, with their cleverness to come up with that, I guess. like I mean, I yeah, I, I can see that, but like. Because <laughs> he's awkward and I she's young. I don't know. Still, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Sandy says, uh-huh. You know, I think I might have bed bugs. Any tips? Cass says, of course. You should sleep tight and not let them bite. And then he winks at her and Claire rolls her eyes. <laughs> Sandy says, I'll try that. Claire says, it doesn't matter. He's my dad and he wants to sign me out. So I'm out. That's the law, Sandy. Sandy says, Claire, wait for me in the hallway. Claire says, you can't. Sandy says, now. So Claire gets up and stomps out of the room. Cass watches her leave and then turns back to Sandy, who says, I don't do well with liars, Mr. Novak. Cass says, but Sandy says, save it. I'm denying your application for custody. I'm not trying to be the bad guy here. I'm not. But until Claire turns 18, she is my responsibility. I know you're trying to do what you think is best. I know you want to be her friend. Cass says, I do. Sandy says, and that's our problem, Mr. Novak. Claire's troubled. The The last few years have not been easy for her. And she doesn't need a friend. She needs a father. So we cut to the bunker. Dean is sitting at a table watching an old episode of The Three Stooges and laughing. Sam walks into the room and asks, what are you laughing at? Dean says, oh, hey, hang on. You got to see, this is a classic. Sam says, I'm glad you're feeling better. Dean says, oh, yeah, better than ever. So Sam puts a grilled cheese sandwich on the table in front of Dean, who immediately goes for it. (laughs) He says, oh, hello, beautiful. 
He takes a bite and says, oh, yeah. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) Sam says, you want some time alone with that thing? Dean shakes his head and mumbles with his mouth full. Sam says, you sure? Dean says, yeah, yeah, watch this. And then Dean turns the computer to Sam and they laugh as they watch the Stooges. Uh, We cut to nighttime at the detention center. Claire's lying on her bed, wide awake. She sits up when she hears a noise outside her room and gets to her feet. Uh, Her doorknob starts to rattle, and then the door busts open, and it's Cass. Claire says, it's you. What's going on? Cass says, I'm getting you out of here. So Claire grabs her jacket and follows Cass down the hall. She steps over a guard who's unconscious on the floor, and she asks, is he? Cass says, he's sleeping. So we cut to Rowena, who is chained to a wall in the jail cell in hell. I don't know why that's so hard to say. Uh, she is not looking so fresh. Uh, the door opens and Gerald walks in with another demon in a female meat suit. He pushes the demon into the room and she goes over to the wall by Rowena. Gerald says, sit. And the demon does and he shackles her to the wall. Gerald says, stay. Good dog. And then Gerald turns to walk out, but Rowena says, wait. Gerald looks at her. She says, my son, I need to talk to him. Gerald just laughs, and Rowena says, it's been weeks. Tell him I'm sorry. Tell him. But Gerald slams the door behind him as he leaves. So we cut to a restaurant. Claire is eating fries with ketchup as Cass watches her. Claire says. That sounds good. (laughs) Sounds really good. Really, really good. I could go for some of that. Claire says, yeah. Cass says, nothing. It's just you could eat a vegetable. Claire smiles and says, ketchup's a vegetable. Cass looks a little perplexed, and she laughs. She says, you've changed. The Castiel I met, he was crappy, like super stuck up and a dick, and you just wanted to punch him in his stupid angel face. Cass says, I don't think I was that bad. (laughs) He's like, you realize you're still talking to me, right? (laughs) Yep. Claire says, you totally were, and now you're just, I don't know, nicer and kind of a doof. No offense. Cass says, yes, well, um, before, I was very self-assured. I was convinced I was on this righteous path. Now I realize that there is no righteous path. It's just people trying to do their best in a world where it's far too easy to do your worst. Claire says, wow, deep. Cass says, yeah, for a doof. (laughs) Claire smiles, and the waitress walks up and gives Castile the check. Uh, He says, thank you. And then to Claire, he asks, so, where do we go next? Claire says, look, I appreciate the meal and, you know, the felony, but you don't need to babysit me. I can take care of myself. Cass says, what do you mean? Claire says, I mean, you feel guilty, so you busted me out. So thanks, but we're good. Even Steven. Cass says, no, we um, we committed a crime and you might need me again. So I think we should stick together. Claire says, OK, you want to get some stuff for the road? I have to pee. Cass says, oh, OK. So they stand up at the same time, and Claire kind of bumps into him when she walks by him. Cass says, I'm sorry. Claire says, my bad. Well, Cass goes over to a checkout stand, uh, Claire slips out the back of the restaurant. She looks behind her, and when the coast is clear, she runs away. Cass, back at, uh, I have no idea what I wrote here. Uh, We'll just, okay. So Cass, (laughs) back inside, uh, put some, like, teenage girl items on the counter, like a magazine. What else did you see? I can't remember because we did this a while ago. I don't remember, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, I can't remember what else was teen girly about it, but, yeah. Okay. 
so he puts it on the counter and gets a really weird look from uh, the cashier. He says, it's for a teenage girl. The cashier just stares at him because that doesn't like, Dude, that good. doesn't help. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He says, she's urinating. <laughs> the cashier, like, awkwardly smiles and then starts ringing up the items. Cass pats his pockets and then says, my wallet's gone. He looks around and notices that Claire is gone. Uh, outside, Claire's trying to flag down a car. Uh, she yells, hey, 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 can you help? But the car drives away. Claire says, damn. Uh, Cass walks out of the restaurant as another car drives up. Claire says, help, please. Cass says, Claire, but the car has stopped and she gets inside. Claire says, go, 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 and the car drives off. Cass says, wait, hey, Claire, but the car disappears down the road. Uh, so we cut to Sam, Dean, and Cass outside the restaurant that Cass and Claire were just at. Um, I think it's the next day. Can't quite remember, but I think it's daylight now. Dean says, this is why you called us? This is your emergency? Cass says, yes. Dean says, no, Cass. An emergency is a dead body, okay? Or a wigged out angel or the apocalypse, take three. Some chick bolting on you is not an emergency. That's that's every Friday night for Sam. <laughs> Sam says, Never dude. misses an opportunity to throw him <laughs> under the bus. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Sam says, dude. Dean says, well. Cass says, this isn't just some chick. I'm responsible for her. Dean says, since when? You met her once. How many years ago? Sam says, look, Cass, even if we do find Claire, then what? Dean says, she rolled you and then she ran. Okay. It's pretty clear that she doesn't want to play house. Cass says, I understand, but I need to know that Claire is safe and I need your help. Sam says, all right, uh, why don't we go ask around at the group home? Dean says, uh, you know what? We're going to stick here in case she circles back. You go ahead. Cass says, thank you. So we cut to a short time later. Uh, we're inside the restaurant. Cass is studying a ketchup bottle. He says, is ketchup a vegetable? Dean says, hell yes. All right, so Spill, what's with the family reunion? Cass says, I don't know. I've just been thinking about people. Dean looks around and then switches their plates, uh, taking Cass's burger and putting his empty plate in front of Cass, who says, no problem. I've helped some, but I've hurt some. Dean says, so you're having a midlife crisis. Cass says, well, I'm extremely old. I think I'm entitled. Me <laughs> <laughs> <Meaning> alone. <laughs> uh -huh. Dean says, Cass, listen to me. There's some stuff you just got to let go, okay? The people you let down, the ones you can't save, you got to forget about them for your own good. Cass says, is that what you do? Dean says, that's the opposite of what I do, but I ain't exactly a role model. Cass says, that's not true. Dean looks at Cass and then laughs. He says, yeah. Cass says, how are you, Dean? Dean says, fine. Cass gives him a look and Dean says, I'm great. Cass says, no, you're not. Dean says, yeah, well, I lost the black eyes, so that's a plus, but I still have this. And Dean reaches over uh, and pats the mark on his arm. Cass says, is the mark of cane still affecting you? Uh, Dean like flashes back to his bad dream uh, with all the dead bodies lying around him from earlier. Cass says, Dean. Dean says, Cass, I need you to promise me something. Cass says, of course. Dean says, if I go dark side, you got to take me out. Cass says, what do you mean? Dean says, knife me, smite me, throw me in the freaking sun, whatever. And don't let Sam get in the way because he'll try. I can't go down that road again, man. I can't be that thing again. 
so we cut to hell. Uh, the demon chained up with Rowena is struggling with her chains. Rowena says, that won't work. The demon says, I didn't ask you, Braveheart. Rowena laughs and then imitates William Wallace. She says, freedom! I love that. Uh, the demon like gives up her struggles and Rowena says, so, what are we in for? The demon gives her a look and Rowena shrugs and says, small talk, darling. Just, pass Just passing the time. The demon says, I'm here because I shouldn't be here. Rowena says, is that a riddle? The demon says, Crowley only allows certain demons to come Earthside. I wasn't on the list, so I had to get myself smuggled up. Rowena says, and what did that cost? The demon says, a favor. Okay, I got a question. I hmm. keep saying they're in hell. Are they not in hell? Because this demon's talking like she smuggled herself up out of hell, and she's still out of hell. Is this just like an abandoned warehouse that they decided Crowley's going to have his throne No, in? she's in hell, but she got okay. smuggled out of hell, got caught and is now in the jail cell in hell okay it just her wording sounded like because she says i'm here because i shouldn't be here but whatever i don't really care <laughs> i don't know i mean yeah. like maybe I was, but yeah. I, it was my impression that like this whole time i thought they were in hell yeah so maybe who knows maybe it's just their little hell warehouse i, I don't know maybe yeah i don't yeah. know not sure. Okay. Uh, Rowena says, and what did that cost? The demon says, a favor. Rowena says, big? The demon says, bloody. Now, I figure the king lets me stew for a while. And then he starts asking how I Houdini'd hell. And he ain't gonna ask nice. What about you? What's your sin? Rowena says, I was a horrible mother. So we cut to the throne room. Crowley says, she was a horrible mother. <laughs> Did I tell you the time she almost traded me for three pigs? Three! I was an attractive child. I could juggle. I was worth five pigs at least. <laughs> Gerald says, my ma used to burn me with cigarettes. Crowley says, nobody cares, Gerald. And don't get me started about the name. Fergus. It sounds like a venereal disease and not the fun <laughs> kind. <laughs> okay, mm. what kind of venereal disease is fun? Because he just said not the fun kind and... I didn't think any of them were fun. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I have no idea. I just, I have some questions, but okay. <laughs> Gerald like, says. Is there a better option, you know, to get out of all of them? Which one is the fun one? I don't know. I, you know, I'm under the impression that none of them are fun, but okay. That's what I would think, but yeah. what do I know? I don't know. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, so Gerald says, look, boss, if you hate this Betty so much, why not end her? Crowley says, I have my reasons. Gerald says, well, I killed my old lady because of the cigarettes. I have no problem doing yours. So we cut to the detention center. Sandy is talking with Sam. She says, Claire's a good kid, detective. She's smart, and underneath it all, she has a big heart. She hands a folder over to Sam and says, you know, there used to be a boy here, Dustin Tate. He was older, but Claire really took him under her wing. Sam says, is he around? Sandy says, he works at the Wiener Hut. <laughs> I just, it just makes me, I'm sorry, but the word Wiener just, it, it will always make me giggle. There's nothing I can do about it. It's well, and they had, there was that one kid that was like an angel or something, right? Like that, right? That was oh, working Alfie. at the Wiener Hut too. I yeah. I remember if that was the Wiener Hut. I'm Alfie. pretty sure it was. 
I can't remember. Probably. You're right. Okay. Um, okay. So Sandy says, we tried to place Claire, but she always ran away. Sometimes for a couple days, one time for six months. Sam says, wow, where does she hide out? Sandy says, wish I knew. So we cut to a young man inside a house. Uh, he is wearing a Wiener Hut uniform, <laughs> sitting at a table, texting on his phone. It's Dustin. He looks up and smiles as Claire joins him. He says, hey, Claire. Claire says, hey, is Randy here? Uh, Randy, who is a like middle-aged man, steps into the room. He says, oh, look who's back. It's been, what, three days? Claire says, I know, I got busted, but I came bearing gifts. And she hands Randy a wallet, which he opens. She says, there's like 200 bucks in there. Randy looks at the driver's license and says, James Novak, any relation? Claire says, no, he's just a guy. Randy nods and puts the wallet away in his back pocket. He says, well, I appreciate the elbow grease, but uh, we're still short. Claire says, how much? Randy says, too much. Claire says, when's Salinger coming to collect? Dustin says, tonight. And Claire looks pretty worried. Randy says, it's my fault. I shouldn't have borrowed so much money, but uh, the holidays are coming and I like to spoil my kids. Dustin gets up from the table. Claire says, maybe he'll give us some more time. Randy says, he's a loan shark. They're not so big on second chances. Kind of thought you were going to steal enough to pay down the debt like we talked about. Oh, but, yeah, uh, make it her fault. I fucking hate this guy. I want to kick him in the crotch. Oh, God, this guy is the worst. Okay. Claire says, I tried. Randy says, not hard enough. Dustin sits back down and Randy says, come on, one last family meal. Claire says, there's got to be something we can do. Uh, Randy and Dustin look at each other. Claire says, what? Randy says, it's nothing. It's crazy. Dustin says, I'd do it if I was still under 18. Claire says, tell me. Ugh. Okay, so we cut to Sam and Cass standing outside the wiener hut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dust Dustin comes walking up. Sam says, Dustin Tate. Dustin says, nah, man. Sam says, oh, really? And he puts a hand on Dustin's chest and Cass comes up behind him. Cass says, yes, you are. And he pushes Dustin back against the brick wall of the wiener hut. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. Okay. <laughs> Cass says, and you're going to tell me where Claire Novak is. Dean comes walking up, eating, as Cass holds Dustin's throat and lifts him off the ground. Cass says, now. Dean, with his mouth full of food, says, I do what he says. Sam gives Dean a look, and Dean points to the wiener hut and then gives Sam a thumbs up. <laughs> Good shit. <laughs> Good wiener shit. Okay. So we cut. <laughs> I know. Okay. Uh, we cut to a convenience store. Claire is inside wearing a dark jacket, or I think it's just a hoodie, really, but like a black hoodie, and she's got the hood over her head. She's wearing dark sunglasses. Uh, she walks slowly around the store, and we get a flashback to a little while earlier. Um, in the flashback, Randy says, quick in, quick out. Randy puts a gun on the table and explains the plan to Claire. He says, watch out for the cameras. Be careful. Wait till you're alone. Then you hit that register jockey hard. You put the fear of God into him. You understand? Claire nods and reaches to take the gun. Randy says, good. Then he puts his hand on top of Claire's and says, you come back to me, you hear? You and Dustin, you're the only family I got. Yes, I'm family. Ugh. So Claire nods. 
And then in real time in the store, she checks the gun uh, to make sure it's loaded. Uh, it is. Uh, she watches the other customer in the store leave and walks towards the cash register with the gun in her hand. But someone grabs her arm, so she turns around to see that is Cass. Um, sorry, my phone keeps chirping at me. I'm expecting a call, so that's what that sound is. <clears throat> sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. okay, where am I? Bow, bow, bow. Okay, so Cass and Claire have like a little staring contest until the clerk glances over at them. And then Cass drags Claire by the arm outside. Uh, Cass says to the clerk, excuse us. Uh, outside, Claire pulls her hood back and then starts walking away. Cass says, Claire, wait. Claire says, screw you. Dean says, whoa, hey, Miley Cyrus, settle. Claire says, she came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> I mean, that really does describe Claire. Also, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Claire says, screw you. Oh, no, I put that already. Uh, Claire says, eat me, Hasselhoff, which, <laughs> good one. <laughs> Sam says, Claire, hold on a second. Look, my name's Claire says, Sam, and you're Dean. We've met, remember? Cass says, Claire, you were going to rob that convenience store. Claire says, so? Cass says, so? So? It's, it's wrong. Claire says, you want to talk to me about wrong? You killed my dad. Is that wrong enough for you? Cass says, no, I didn't. Claire says, really? Because without you, he'd still be here, and my mom would still be around. Cass says, Claire, I'm, he kind of takes a step towards her, and she pulls the gun out of her pocket, cocks it, and points it at him. She says, don't. Cass says, that won't hurt me. Claire says, fine. And she turns the gun on Sam and Dean, who both take a step back. Dean says, whoa, hey, come on. Sam says, hold on a second. Claire says, why? Like, you don't have it coming? You stood there while this monster took my dad. She points the, dun the blah, blah, blah. she points the gun at the ground and then says to Cass, I used to pray to you, Castiel, every night. I would beg you to bring him home safe. Cass says, I know. Claire says, you know, my father was a good man. In what messed up world does he have to die and you get to live? Cass says, I'm sorry. Claire says, no, you feel guilty. There's the difference. Sam says, so what? Now you're going to run back to Randy, the guy you steal for? Claire says, how do you know about that? Dean says, Dustin. Cass says, Claire, that man is using you. Claire says, he was there for me when things got bad and they got real damn bad. He was there when no one else was. He's my family. And you're just, you can go to hell. And Claire walks away. Uh, we cut to hell. <laughs> it seems weird to say. <laughs> cut to hell. Uh, Gerald opens the cell door. Rowena and the other demon look up at him. Gerald says, the boss will see you now. Rowena smiles. So Gerald leads her into uh, a room where Crowley is. Crowley says, mother. Rowena says, Fergus. Crowley says, Crowley. Rowena <laughs> says, Fergus. <laughs> Crowley laughs and says, so you haven't changed. Rowena says, but you certainly have. King of hell, bravo. I knew my boy was meant for big things. Crowley says, really? As I remember it, you said I would die in a gutter covered in my own sick. Well. <laughs> Rowena says, I was motivating you to do better. Aim higher. And clearly, it worked. How did you die? Crowley says, the point is, you hated me. Rowena says, oh, please. Crowley says, you said you'd be back in a flash. Then you disappeared. I was eight years old. 
eight. Rowena says, oh, now you're being dramatic. Crowley <laughs> says, I didn't even have a father. Rowena says, of course you had a father. You were just conceived during a winter solstice or blah, blah, blah. I'm going to start that over. You were just conceived during a winter solstice orgy. And it's not <laughs> like I was taking names. What do you want me to say? I, I had a disagreement with the locals. And when they sent their hounds on me, I had to leave. Crowley says, and never came back for hundreds of years. Rowena says, but I'm here now. We have a second chance. We can be a real family again, Fergus. Crowley says, Crowley, and I have a family. <laughs> Rowena says, who? The demons? Any one of them would stab you in the back if they thought they could get away with it. Crowley says, and you wouldn't? Rowena says, no, because we're family. We're blood. You can trust me. I can help you. Crowley gives her a look, and she says, I understand you're angry. I understand you hate me. And if you want to keep me locked away, then so be it. But understand that I'll always be your mother. And I'll always love you. She kisses him on the head. And Crowley glares at the ground. So He's um, like, I want to rip your lips off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> we cut to a bar. A bartender approaches Sam and Dean and Cass. Cass says, give me a shot of, um, Dean says, three whiskeys. Sam says, Cass, don't beat yourself up, man. Claire was, Cass says, right. She was right. Who am I to tell her how to live her life? Dean says, well, somebody needs to. It's not like we're talking about Mother Teresa here. The girl just about knocked over a gas and said, she's got issues. Cass says, because of me. Dean says, well, you are wearing her old man's meat suit. Probably didn't help. Sam shakes his head at Dean. Cass says, I thought I could make it up to her. Sam says, I don't think you can. I mean, Jimmy was her father. And to some people, that's, that's everything, you know? Cass says, no, I don't. I never knew my father. He was distant, to say the least. <laughs> I mean. That's funny. Right. Uh, Cass says to Dean, what about you? Did you love your father? Dean looks at Sam and then back at Cass and says, with everything I had. Sam says, yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't always easy, but yeah. Dean says, I mean, look, John Winchester's not going to win any number one dad awards, you know. But, you know, damn if he wasn't there when I needed him. Sam says, hey, uh, tell me about that time in New York. Dean says, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So uh, we are working this haunting in Long Island, and me and Sam begged the old man to let us go to the city for once. Sam says, he had this thing about New York, right? Too big, too loud, too dirty. Dean says, yeah, and he hated the Yankees. Sam says, big time. Dean says, somehow we convinced him to let us go, so we all go. We all, you know, see all the sights and uh, ride the subway, eat too much pizza, the whole nine. Well, by about midnight, Sam and dad are zonked. And I figure, screw it. I'm going to go. Wait, no, that's not what he says. He says, screw it. I'm going to CBGB. Sam says, so CBGB is, Cass says, I know. <laughs> like the heebie-jeebies. Cass says, I know. It's where the Ramones and Blondie got their start. Sam and Dean look really surprised. Dean says, right. Sam says, wow. Anyway, he was way underage at the time. Dean says, all right. So I get there. I sneak in and it is nuts. I mean, people are drinking and they're smoking and they're they're snorting whatever. There's a 500 pound guy on stage with a mohawk just screaming. And uh, my mind is blown. I don't even know what to do. 
Then this girl walks up and she says, hey, why don't you come over and sit down with me and my friends at our table? All right. Sam says, yeah. And they get him drunk. First time. Dean says, but not fun drunk. I'm not quite sure what was in that stuff, but the room starts to spin and I feel like I'm going to puke forever. And right about that time, I hear him. Dean Winchester. Sam smiles at this and Dean says, my old man, I don't know how, but he found me. And now I'm really freaking out because he's just standing there, not saying anything. I look around and everybody else is freaking out too. In fact, nobody's even looking him in the eye. And finally, this one guy with like a safety pin through his nose and a kill everything tattoo looks up and says, sorry, sir. Cass smiles and Dean shakes his head and says, yeah, sorry, sir, to John friggin Winchester. Sam and Dean take a sip of their whiskey while Cass shoots his. Then Cass says, he saved you. Dean says, yeah. And you know what he got for that? Me whining about how much he embarrassed me. Me telling him that I hated him. But then he stopped and turned around and he looked at me and he said, son, you don't like me? That's fine. It's not my job to be liked. Sam says, it's my job to raise you right. Dean says, yeah. And he did. Okay, but did he, Dean? Like, really? Mm-hmm. You got some ish, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, suppose, I suppose none of us escape without ish from our parents, but still. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, Cass says, do you think Claire is in trouble? Dean says, she's hanging out with a guy named Randy. She's in trouble. <laughs> I know a Randy who isn't in trouble, I, I think. So, I don't think just, I, do I know pa- any Randys? I don't think I know any Randys. <laughs> I know one. I went to elementary school. I think like fifth or sixth grade. I really liked Randy. We were buds. Yeah. And then we we like reconnected. Gosh, when I was working at Barnes & Noble, I think in Tequila, he worked close. I think he worked next door at the good guys. Um, yeah. 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 Fun guy. <laughs> not, not douchey as far yeah. as I know. Yeah. Not douchey, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, okay. Uh, Okay, Dean motions to the bartender for more whiskey. For more whiskey. Uh, We cut to Claire walking into Randy's house. She says, Randy. But then she stops when she sees Randy is surrounded by three men. One of them turns to her and says, "Uh, Hey, evening, little lady. Uh, This guy's name is Salinger. Uh, Randy says, Honey, do you have something for me? Claire shakes her head no, and one of the men near Randy uh, flips open his knife and holds it against Randy's neck. Claire says no. She pulls the gun out of her pocket, but is overpowered by a big man from behind. He takes her gun easily. Salinger, who I guess is the boss of this group, like laughs. He says, guns blazing, huh? That was your plan? Trust me, this pile of crap, he ain't worth it. Claire spits on his face and Salinger laughs. He says to one of his men, put her in the other room. And he's like creepy, like checking her out the whole time. Yeah, it's gross. Like, totally skeezy. Well, okay. Uh, so he walks over to Randy and says, she's got fight. I like that. I married the last girl that spit in my face. He takes a drink of the beer in his hand and says, last few months, you've lost a bundle on the ponies. How much do you owe me now? Randy says, 5000 Salinger says, so how about I give you a break? And you give me the girl. Randy shakes his head no and says, that's a joke, right? Claire's like family to me. Salinger says, please, I know the con, all right? You find some kid with major league daddy issues, and then you get her to steal for you. Cut the proud papa act. I'll make you a good deal. 
Randy says, like I said, Claire's family. So it better be a damn good deal. What a fucking asshole. I hate this mm. motherfucker. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we cut to hell. Uh, Gerald throws Rowena back in the cell. He tries to shackle her again, but Rowena yells, stop. She turns to Crowley and says, I know who's been smuggling souls up from hell. Crowley says, really? Pray do tell. Rowena turns to Gerald and says, him. Gerald says, what? The other demon in the cell stands up and says, it's true, Mr. My Lord. Gerald, mm-hmm. he, we made a deal. Yes, Mr. Sir. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm having Holes flashback. Have you, did you ever see that movie, Holes? No, I didn't. Uh-uh. I oh, didn't read okay. the book either, yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, the guy in there, sir. What'd you say? There's a guy in the, in the book and in the movie called Mr. Sir. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Gerald says, she's lying. Rowena says, why? Why would she lie? Gerald grabs Rowena and holds her against the wall with his hand around her throat. Uh, Crowley says, that's enough of that, Gerald. But Gerald continues choking her. Gerald says, I'll kill you, bitch. Crowley says, that's enough, Gerald. But Gerald continues choking her until he suddenly lights up because Crowley stabbed him from behind. Gerald falls to the ground dead and Crowley is left standing there holding the bloody knife. He says, I said, that's enough, Gerald. Crowley turns and walks away. Rowena says, thank you. Crowley stops at the door, turns back to her, and asks, coming? And then he leaves the room. Rowena hurries after him, but the chained-up demon says to her, Rowena, you said that if I lied, you'd get me out of here. Rowena says, oh, and I will, darling. I'll be back in a flash. (laughs) She leaves the room and closes the door behind her. So we cut to Claire sitting on a bed. Uh, when she hears footsteps approaching, uh, the door opens and it's Salinger. He motions for his men to leave them alone. Um, and then to Claire, he says, hi. He finishes his beer and then turns around and locks the door. He says, it's Claire, right? She doesn't look at him. So he reaches down and grabs her chin and makes her look up at him. He says, you really are a pretty one. You know that? So she knees him right in the balls. And then runs to the door to try to get out. Uh, But Salinger is right behind her. And he grabs her as she screams. Uh, Back in the main room, one of Salinger's men opens the front door and finds Cass, Sam, and Dean standing there. Cass puts up his hand and the man goes flying backwards. Uh, Randy and another henchman look over at the door. Uh, Cass and the boys walk inside. Another man goes for Cass but stops when he sees that Sam has a gun. Sam says, don't. Dean says, back it up. So the men back off. Cass looks around the room and says, where's the girl? Then they hear Claire screaming from upstairs. Uh, Back in the room, Claire tries to fight off Salinger. He's trying to hold her down on the bed, but the door flies open. It's Cass. Uh, As Salinger turns to look at him, Claire kicks him in the face. Uh, Salinger, not Cass. Claire kicks (laughs) Salinger in the face and then gets up and she starts to kick him over and over, which he deserves. So that's fine. I mean, you know. Do yeah, it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Cass says, Claire, Claire. And he grabs her arm and she finally stops kicking. Cass leads her down the stairs and tries to pull her out of the door. Uh, but when she sees Randy, she says, Randy. He looks at her and then stares down blah, 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 and then stares down at the floor, looking very guilty. Dean says, Get her out of here. Sam says, Yeah, go. Dean says to Sam, Go. Sam nods and follows Cass and Claire out the door. Dean starts to go after them, but Salinger's men start to move towards him. So 
So Dean raises his gun and says, hey, back up, back up. Don't be as dumb as you look. From behind him, Salinger says, hey. Dean turns around and Salinger smashes Dean's head with his beer bottle. Dean falls to the ground bleeding. Uh, he looks up and has a flashback to Kane giving him the mark. Uh, then the feeling of holding the first blade and then killing Abaddon. Salinger's men close it around him as he remembers beheading Magnus and then waking up as a demon and then uh, the ritual that made him human again. Back in real time, Dean shakes his head and comes back to the moment. He says, you guys don't want to do this. Salinger laughs and then kicks Dean right in the face. Uh, we cut to Claire climbing into the backseat of the Impala and then Cass sitting beside her. Claire smiles at him. He says, are you okay? Claire says, yeah. And then she moves closer and hugs him tightly. Cass hugs her back. Sam gets in the front seat and looks back at them. But then he turns his head towards the house as he hears a bunch of shouting and then rushes to the front door of the house as fast as he can. Uh, in the house, Dean is kneeling in the living room with a bloody knife in his hand, just exactly like in his nightmare. Um, Salinger and his men, uh, as well as Randy, are all dead on the floor around Dean. Their bodies are all sliced up and bloody. We hear Claire scream as she sees what Dean has done, and Cass pulls her close to him. Sam okay, but gonna... like, yes, would that be disturbing? But also, like, isn't that kind of what you want in that moment? You know, <laughs> like, I mean, the yes, problem it, is it now gone. You know, is. yeah, I think, I think they're, yeah, I think she's freaked out by like how bloody it is. Like, it wasn't just like a quick, boom, you're dead. You know? Yeah. But, but to us, and isn't probably, Randy in it too? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yes, Randy. I mean, is that's probably there. why. It's yeah, probably, that's probably Randy. Why. She probably yeah. doesn't care about the other ones. <laughs> no, I'm sure she's glad about that. But I think, yeah. like. I think, I mean, I I had the same thought that you did, but I think that just because of like the TV ratings, it's not as bloody or as gruesome, I guess, as we think maybe it should be for that reaction, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I'm sure that's just because it's a CW show. So, <clears throat> okay. So everyone's bloody uh, and dead. Sam walks over to Dean and says, Dean, Dean, hey. And he gets on his knees with Dean and then holds Dean's face. He says, tell me you had to do this. Dean says, I didn't, I didn't mean to. Sam says, no, tell me it was them or you. Um, Cass looks horrified as he looks at all the carnage. And then he leads Claire back outside. Um, I, my notes are weird here. Uh, Sam's hands fall away from Dean's face as Dean looks shocked by all the dead bodies around him. And credit. Okay, so I have a few thoughts for this one. Um, yeah. So at the very beginning of the episode, for some reason, I was like, because here's the thing. I don't remember this episode really other than like the crowd. Like I was worth at least this many pigs, you know, like I, yeah. I remember some of it, but not a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, I think. And so I have the notes for the next few episodes, too. And like. There's two of those episodes that I solidly do not remember at all. Hmm. Like okay. nothing looks familiar. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, okay, you know, like I must have missed it somehow. Like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I fell asleep when I was watching it and it like, I, I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, I got uh, it. I, for, at the very beginning of this episode, it seemed to me like Dean was having like hell flashbacks. 
Mm, I was, it did look a little bit like that. Yeah, you're right. It was really interesting. And like, I don't know, like, obviously we find out later that it's not, he's having like a premonition of some variety or whatever. Oh yeah. I was going to say something about that and then completely forgot. Like it is a like vision or whatever you want to call that Mm -hmm. because it was exactly the same, you know? Mm -hmm. So what do we think about that? Like, I don't know. Um, I don't don't know. I don't think they really go into it. They don't. I don't think it's a thing that's ever talked about or really happens again. And I could be wrong because I don't remember a lot of these episodes either. I've only seen these ones like once. Yeah. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that comes back. But I feel like if that was something that continued, I probably would remember it. I don't know. You would think. But I mean, in the next like three episodes anyways, they that there's nothing. Right. You know, like, yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't talk about it. So yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um, and OK, the biggest thought that I have for this episode. So like. Did Cass, I know we've seen Cass in a tie, but did Cass not like wear his tie up until now? Because. With Claire going, oh, I like the blue and blah, 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 and all this sort of stuff. And, like, you you need to wear a tie, basically, throughout the episode. Like, is this now where Cass starts wearing his tie? Because, like, he hasn't, historically, that I can remember. I mean, I know he's worn ties. I've seen him wear ties. But, like, I don't think he consistently wears them. I thought he did consistently wear them. Like, I See, thought, I thought he did, too. But then, like, why would... You would think he'd be like, oh, well, I normally wear a tie or something, you know, like yeah. he's just not wearing one right now. You know, like you'd think there'd be something mentioned about that, not like, right. Oh, by let the way, just, you know. let me see if I can Google it. Let's see. It's just weird to me. Like, is this like the introduction of the cast tie or is this like, no, been happening. Yeah. I mean, not the introduction, but is this like where he starts consistently wearing it or what? You know? Yeah. There's especially after Claire saying like you should wear a blue one or whatever. Like, yeah. Actually, I don't remember her saying that. That's funny. She did in the episode at some point. She was like, "Oh, I like the blue or whatever or something like that." I don't think I wrote that down, which means I missed a whole chunk. Damn, which I would've been better if I didn't bring to everyone's attention. <laughs> I think it was like somewhere around it, it wasn't like a big thing. It was just like kind of briefly mentioned. Huh. I and I don't, don't remember, remember exactly where if it was when she was trying to get him to wear a tie or something. Mm-hmm. There was something afterwards where she was like they were talking briefly about it again, but it wasn't hmm. like a big thing. Okay. Still. So, okay. Um, yeah, there's, there's uh, not shockingly a lot of information about his outfit on the internet. <laughs> so it'll be a little, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to get back to you on the tie yeah. thing, but I will look into that. Cause now yeah. I know. It's just yeah. interesting. Cause it's like, okay, like, is it, did I just like automatically fill that in my brain because I know that Cass wears a tie <laughs> or like yeah I mean no this know. isn't where he starts like he definitely has many times yeah but that's but, the thing is he's worn it he to stop? be like yeah. you know like but he so he's worn it before but I don't think he's worn it consistently that's the thing I think this is when he starts to wear it consistently see I thought he did wear it consistently 
So, I thought so too, but why yeah. would they make such a big deal out of the tie situation mm-hmm. and like being like, oh, blue is the thing and like you should wear this and Claire making a big deal about the tie situation if that wasn't going to be something like sentimental and that's the reason that he's wearing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll look into it. Yeah, I'll look and see. This is going to be like a, in this many episodes, which one was Castiel wearing a tie or not? But I'm sure that list is there and I will look oh, at probably. it. Oh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> and I will let you know. Up until now, season 10. Yeah. How I want to know. You know? Yeah. What percentage of the time? Right. <laughs> But anyway, other than that, um, one of the other thoughts that I have is that when Dean was in, I don't remember which restaurant, I really liked his flannel and I wrote that down. So I don't remember <laughs> which flannel it was, <laughs> what it looked like, but yeah. I remember writing down that like, ooh, I like that color panel or col- color flannel. <laughs> I don't, whatever. Anyway. Um, <laughs> also, funny. I have a thought Yeah. about how many pigs that would be worth. (laughs) How many pigs do you think you'd be worth as a child? We're talking about child you. Maybe we need like an actual day. Okay, let's say, so Crowley was talking about his mom left him eight, eight. So let's let's stick Mm -hmm. with that eight age. How many pigs do you think you were worth at eight? What was I doing at eight? That's like, that's like third grade for me. Wait, am I lying to you? Five, six, It'd be third grade oh, that's for... that's like fourth grade for me. That's like fourth grade for me. It probably... Yeah, it would have been third or fourth grade, for, I mean, for everybody. Mm-hmm. What was I doing? I was... I was doing ballet. Was I doing karate then? I don't know. I was doing Girl Scouts. I feel like between, like, the dance skills... And, like, the general, like, survival skills and that sort of stuff with Girl Scouts and, like, selling cookies skills. But I don't know. How, here's the here's the real question, I guess, is how much is one pig worth? <laughs> I need well, to know the value yeah. of the pig. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty subjective. I could say that I didn't do anything at eight. Like, I think that I, I didn't even know if I had, like, I had discovered my love of reading, but I didn't do anything else. I did nothing, like, I mean, I think I did some, like, you know, classes, you know, like ballet and stuff. But I think that was even earlier than eight. Nothing stuck. Nothing nothing happened that I wanted to continue, like ballet or whatever else. I think it was just a couple, like, dance classes and stuff. Yeah. But I didn't do any sports until, like, junior high so at that time, I mean, basically, I was just really shy and read and hung out by myself. <laughs> yeah. So that doesn't sound like a lot of pigs, to be I honest. I mean, you have you. intelligence pigs. Okay. There was intelligence pigs. Also, I I was really, you know, tomboyish and, like, I think I was pretty strong. Like, I had a strong body. There you go. So, but <laughs> I didn't do anything with that strong body except for holding But you could. <laughs> Okay. All right. There we go. In fact, you wanted to. (laughs) Okay. All right. I, yeah, I'm there's an application for that somewhere. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like I'm kind of stuck at three pigs. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? What do you think? I I think the whole, like all those skills that like the Girl Scouts give you, I think you're up at least to five, at least. Yeah. I could be a show pig, put on a tutu and Uh (laughs) run around. (laughs) 
Yeah, and just like, oh, shit. you know, doing sales at that age. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, I'll go with. So what are Crowley's? He said that he could juggle. I think he could he juggle. He's attractive and he could juggle. And that were, that was worth five picks. So he had one skill <laughs> and he was good looking. And that equals five pigs. So I feel like. So you're Both more than five. We own five pigs because we have more than <laughs> one skill at that point. You don't have to make me feel better about my lack of pig worthiness. It's okay. No, I'm, I feel like unhappy. just being able to juggle is not that impressive of a skill. <laughs> so, like, I mean, I guess back in the day maybe it was, but like. I feel like we're both over five pigs. I don't know what the number of pigs would be, but I feel like we would both be over five pigs because even if we couldn't juggle, we had other skills like reading. If That's you could true. read back when he was a kid, he would have been worth 10 pigs. You know? <laughs> All right. I guess you're right. Okay. You know? Okay. Also, I knew every single word to all the new kids on the block songs. <laughs> so, boom. <laughs> that was... At, when I was eight, that was probably me with, like, either Leanne Rhymes or, like, Shania Twain, one of the two. Oh, yeah. That's cool. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that nothing wrong with that. Yep. What I was into at that point, if I'm mm-hmm. remembering correctly, it was a lot of 90s country and then Christian radio station. Yeah. <laughs> that was what I was allowed to listen to. So. I get it. Yeah. yeah. My parents didn't really, like censor my like radio listening at all they they did kind of censor what what they would um like what like cassette I guess at that time it was cassette tapes so what cassette tapes they would buy me you know Mm -hmm. but that really stopped when I hit like 12 then they were like yeah whatever whatever and they never censored or even looked at what I was reading which was all like Stephen King and much worse I wonder if they knew who Stephen King was or if they like I think so well I think so because my dad had this friend when he was younger and that when this friendship continued into adulthood that looked almost exactly like Stephen King Mm -hmm. and so we always kind of joked that they they were the same person oh really not but (laughs) you've never seen him in the same room together yeah 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 exactly (laughs) so so and that started when I was like when I started reading Stephen King so yeah yeah for sure they did but yeah but really censored what I watched. But yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we're worth pigs. Damn it. Okay. <laughs> we're worth more than five. We'll go with that. <laughs> All right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, what was your favorite moment from this episode? Well, Crowley and Rowena were sort of delightful at every moment together. So, I loved all that. But, mm-hmm. um, Something that kind of stuck out at me, just because it doesn't happen very often. It does happen, but not often. It was um, Dean. So, like, at the beginning of the episode, when, you know, you kind of see Sam for the first time. Dean is, like, hanging out in whatever room that is in the bunker and laughing at the Three Stooges. And I just thought that was so fun to see Mm -hmm. him, you know, just, like, kind of innocently delighting in something. Like, just, like, slapstick you know, mm-hmm. I just thought that was fun. Also, it reminds me of Eric because Eric loves the Three Stooges. But, uh, <laughs> but it was just, it was cute. And then Sam gives him a grilled cheese sandwich and he's like, oh, and like a grilled yeah. cheese sandwich sounds so fucking good right now. Jesus Christ. Um, oh my goodness. Okay. So at one point, we're going to go on a grilled cheese sandwich thing here for a second. So <laughs> at one point, one of my friends, I went over to her house and she had like the sourdough bread, like the big sourdough bread, which first of all is my favorite. And I always mm-hmm. have it in my pantry because it's great it's my Um, favorite too yeah 
She made a grilled cheese when I was over at her house. That was like a little bit of cheddar. And then it had Velveeta. Like there was like a slice of cheddar on each Mm -hmm. side sort of thing. Or like a couple slices because those pieces of bread are big. Right. But like, and then it had like Velveeta in the middle. Mm. That was really good. (laughs) That sounds amazing. Like Like, I normally am kind of like "Eh," about Velveeta, but like, cause it had the other stuff in there. It wasn't just Velveeta. It just basically made it like gooey, extra gooey, you know? Yeah. That actually sounds really good, but you're right. Like I would want that, the other, like the cheddar flavor more than the Velveeta flavor. Yeah. yeah. Velveeta kind of doesn't really taste like cheese. Like it does, but it, doesn't you know it's like very fake cheese flavor yeah there's a time for it but it's usually not what I want flavor wise yeah no like it's there's a certain like if you mix it in with like you know macaroni and cheese if you're like making homemade macaroni and cheese and not like craft or something like that which there's nothing wrong with craft I like that too but yeah I mean you don't really I mean sometimes I'll add cheese to that but like Mm -hmm. If you're making homemade macaroni and cheese, like, Velveeta is a good thing to put in there to kind of, like, make it gooier, you know? Yeah. But, like, yeah, there's not very many, like, ways that I would want to eat Velveeta. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I really want all the cheesy goodness right now, though, now. Okay. I know, right? Now I'm, like, thinking about it, and I'm like, oh, that sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. What was your favorite moment? Um, I think... Mine was just, like, <laughs> when Crowley was, like, the audacity of this woman, you know, like, I would have been worth at least five pigs, you know, yeah. just, like, still pissed off 300 years later that, like, he got traded for three pigs instead of five, Yeah, you know, like. That's funny. Uh, it's just, yeah. like, I can't believe her still. It's, like, uh, dude. Mm-hmm. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I know, but but look at her. She was, I can't decide if you think she's probably more horrible as a young mother to a young child than, than she is now. You know what I mean? Like, do you well, think that in her so older... Well, the thing is, too, is, like, back in when she was, you know, when she had a young child, it was different than now. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes. Like, also, she's a witch, burn her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, I just wonder, like, was she a better person then, or is she a better person now? It's interesting, I guess. I don't know. Well, I mean, so far just we know what the same from this, like, couple episodes that she's been in, it's kind of like, I don't, you're, I think you're supposed to, like, not really know what she's about yet, yeah. you know? Right. And, like, I will say that I love her character, but... I didn't love her character right away. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So. Like at this point, it's so funny. Cause now at this point we're like firmly on Crowley's side, you know, of that yeah. conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. All of a and like, same thing with Crowley though. Like at first I was kind of like, he's annoying, you know, and he was very frustrated. Like, was he funny? Yes. But he was also like very annoying and just kind of like, a thorn in the side and like I ended up liking him a lot more later on so mm-hmm. I it's kind of like these episodes are kind of weird for me when you just like start to get to know Crowley and you start to get to know Rowena and there's like other characters that I'm sure you know mm-hmm. that I'm not thinking of, of off the top of my head that like you don't really like at first and I don't know that you're supposed to but you end up liking later or disliking some people still don't like you know 
either one, but yeah. you know. Yeah. 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 It's anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> that's that. Um, so our interesting facts. Um it says Castiel says his vessel was ripped apart on a subatomic level by an archangel. Uh, this could either refer to Raphael, who vaporized Castiel at the end of season four, or Lucifer, who did the same thing at the end of season five. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse bless me. You. <laughs> I was trying to get the sentence. So I, yeah. <laughs> I don't remember uh, Raphael vaporizing Castiel. Either, they wrote it down, so. And then how did he even come back after that? I just have no memory of that. And it's probably because him being, you know, snapped into splatter by Lucifer in Swan Song is a lot more memorable. You yeah. Know? That's probably just probably erased that from I'm my mind. I'm not saying it I didn't happen in season four, but I don't remember it. <laughs> I don't remember it at all. That's, that's embarrassing. The only bit. splatter that I remember is from season five. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll have to. I'll have to revisit that too. Yeah. I'll, I'll just search cast splat and see what happens. It would probably show up from season five. That's the thing is, they only generally show like the most popular, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Huh. Um. So it says when Castiel urges Claire to eat more vegetables, she replies that ketchup is a vegetable. Um. This is referring to the controversy early in the Reagan administration over school lunch regulations that allowed items such as ketchup to count as a serving of vegetables for meeting nutritional requirements. Requirements. Wow. Haha. Come a long way since Reagan. <laughs> true. Yep. For good or for bad. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, as far as I know, they don't count ketchup as a vegetable anymore. So. They do not. No. Nope. Also, because tomato is technically a fruit. So, what would you That's say? True. It's like applesauce. Does it count as a serving of fruit? I don't think it does. I don't think <laughs> it counts for anything other than yeah. a condiment. But you know, like, right? Yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> um. So it says, uh, Rowena tells Trish that tugging on the chains won't work. And Trish replies, I didn't ask you, Braveheart. To which Rowena retorts, freedom! (laughs) Uh, The banter is from Mel Gibson's Braveheart from 1995. Um, It says, Dustin works at the Wiener Hut. This is the same restaurant as Alfie, the vessel of the Angel Samandriel from season eight. Oh, you remembered. You I just I... remember, like, the weird outfit, and they're like, wiener hut, you know? Like, yeah. You work at wiener hut, you know? And I they kind of, like, making jokes about him being the wiener boy, but. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, where am I? Oh, uh, it says Rourke Critchlow. I don't know if I said that right. Um, who guest stars in this episode portrayed Dr. Mike, Mike Horton on Days of Our Lives from 1965. My English is going really well right now. Um, it says Jensen Ackles appeared as Eric Brady, um, twin brother of Sammy and son of Roman and Marlena on the same series. Um, it says Jennifer Copping, um, who's Sandra Falan. Falan? <laughs> I don't know. Um, previously appeared in the episode Supernatural, A Very Supernatural Christmas um, as Mrs. Caldwell. Very I don't even know who you're talking Christmas. about. That's the like the only Christmas episode they really have done, but I don't remember her. And I don't. Is remember... that the one with the the two that you had yeah. to spike with the Christmas tree? Yeah, the pagan gods. Yeah. 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 So I wonder. It wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have been the the actual god. It must have been one of the neighbors or something that was like maybe it was like the neighbor that dropped off the fruit cake or something or. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. you know, like I yeah I don't know, because. Mm-hmm. 
Sandra, the only person that I could think of as being Sandra is like the caseworker lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Sandy. You're right. So I was like, I don't even know who we're talking about. <laughs> but okay. That's a, I'm just yes. gr- grasping at straws here. I don't know. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah, that all makes sense. Yeah. Um. So it says, um, when Castiel, Sam, and Dean enter the Tiki Bar, uh, Les Baxter's iconic Quiet Village is p- playing in the background. I don't know who Les Baxter is, and I don't know Quiet Village, but there you go. <laughs> I didn't, didn't really think that bar was a Tiki Bar, but okay. I don't know which, I mean, didn't they go to a couple different bars? Yeah. I mean, they were at, like, the diner where Claire and Cass were eating, and then they go to a yeah. bar later to have their whiskey shots. But I don't remember anything tiki-ish about it. They go to a, yeah, they go to a bar later, but weren't they at the, weren't they one at the beginning of the episode, too? No, they were beginning? just in the bunker. Yeah. Oh, okay. I well, like that. These are the important questions. How many bars do we get to <laughs> These in this are the episode? things we need to know. And here's the <laughs> thing is that anybody can write on IMDb, so you never know. Like, I'm just going to preface, like, everything I've ever said, or, like, I guess not preface, but I'm going to just, like, state with everything I've ever said <laughs> from the interesting facts. Take it or leave it. So, mm-hmm. Most of it is probably true, but, like, eh, you know, like, yeah, yeah, to what extent, true. I don't know, and, like, whatever. It's just interesting things (laughs) i know well and also like we're getting all our information from the internet like can't can't believe it all so that's fine yeah that's all right everybody gets it yeah Yeah. it is what it is (laughs) yep um so last one it says this marks the first time it's confirmed that castiel's vessel jimmy novak is dead and his soul has gone to heaven um prior to this it had never been explicitly stated they had become or what had become of jiminy jiminy (laughs) 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 jiminy cricket (laughs) my english is failing me I love it. I love it. Jiminy Novak. (laughs) It had never been explicitly stated what had become of Jimmy (laughs) after the numerous times his body had been obliterated while under Castiel's control. Yeah. Poor Jiminy. (laughs) Poor Jiminy. (laughs) What's that song that he sings in, uh, not Peter Pan, in Pinocchio? Uh, when you wish upon a star. Oh, yeah, that is Jiminy, isn't it? I forgot he sings that song. Make no difference who you are. I don't remember the rest of it. Now, when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. I think that's all I think I've it got. it's like anything your heart desires come to you or something like that. I can't, I'm not going to sing it. I can't sing that high, but. I don't honestly remember most of... Anyway, yeah. I don't remember Pinocchio. Like, I know I saw it when I was little, and I'm pretty sure it stressed me the fuck out. It was... It's a weird one. Like, I watched it not too long ago, like, in the last couple of years, and I was like, what the hell? You know? (laughs) Yeah. The whole idea behind it just sounds really horrifically sad to me, so I don't want to revisit it at all. Well, and then you get, like, the... All these, like boys that had been like kidnapped or something and they're all getting like turned into donkeys for some reason like yeah that's a hard path yeah like there's a lot of it that just like doesn't make sense and I honestly don't remember like 
why they were being turned into donkeys, like what that whole thing was about. I just remember like there was a bunch of kids that were getting turned into donkeys. And that's yeah. All I yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to Classes. watch that. Nope, nope. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so our research from this week um, is off of the littlehouseofhorrors.com. Um, and we couldn't, like we've been to Pontiac so many times that we've kind of covered everything there. So we yeah. just went to Illinois in general. Um, and we went to, uh, I think it's like Alton. Yeah. Alton. Um, and there's a place there called McPike mansion, which is supposed to be very haunted. So, mm-hmm. um, it says, um, in the ghost capital of Illinois, Alton, the McPike mansion takes the cake. Um, this historic Italian, uh, mm, Italian, okay. I don't know. We'll go with it. I've never seen that word before. A uh, Victorian style building. So it's like Italian Victorian, I'm guessing is what they're okay. going for. Um, located on the highest point in Alton. Um, it used to be the biggest and most beautiful home of the town. Now it's the home of a lemon, of a lemon. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> I didn't know lemons could own homes, but oh my god, it's the home <laughs> of eleven permanent ghostly residents <laughs> and one lemon, <laughs> and probably a couple lemons. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, it would. It was abandoned for a long time, and that is exactly how the spirits wanted it. And so it says, let's begin with a little bit of history about Alton. This small town is considered very haunted, perhaps even the most haunted town in America. <clears throat> Why is Alton so haunted? Perhaps the answer lay, lays in the dark and bloody history of the town. The town has seen floods, epidemics, murder, civil war, and many more tragedies. Add some Native American ghosts to the underground road and the other... Oh, fuck. You don't add Native American ghosts to the Underground Railroad, but you add some Native American ghosts and the Underground Railroad to it, and voila! (laughs) The railroad is even located right underneath the McPike Mansion. No wonder why it's so haunted. Mm -hmm. This is going really well for me today. (laughs) I mean, it's entertaining, so... No, that's good. (laughs) You're doing fine. Uh, it says uh, the McPike Mansion, or Mount Lookout, as it's also referred to, was built between 1869 and 1871. Henry Guest McPike, fr- who lived from 1825 to 1910, and his family were its first residents. McPike was even an important member of Alton Society. He even served as the town's mayor for three years. McPike was also a businessman involved with um, real estate and a well-known horticulturist. Her- horticulturalist. <laughs> that's right. I think that's right. <laughs> um, he developed the famous McPike grape, um, which grew on his own 15 acres, um, 15 acre estate. Um, so he was into wine, seems like. Mm-hmm. Um, after McPike's death, the mansion had several owners until it was purchased by Paul A. Oh boy, Leichinger. Um, not only did Leichinger live at the McPike Mansion, he also leased some rooms to a few tenants. The McPike Mansion sure is big enough. The three-story mansion has 16 rooms and a vaulted wine cellar. Mm. <laughs> uh, Leichinger stayed at the house until his death in 1951. After his death, the house was abandoned for many years, which didn't help when it came to ghost stories. 
Um, it says the mansion fell victim to the weather and vandalism. Uh, some of the furniture and historic ornaments were either stolen or ruined. It wasn't strange that people started seeing the house as a haunted mansion. Uh, the broken windows, rusting iron fence, and the private graveyard gave the mansion a spooky vibe. At some point, there were plans to tear the house down and replace it in a shop or replace replace it in a shopping center. I'm guessing they meant replace it with a shopping center. Yeah. Um, but these plans disappeared back into the cupboard and the mansion was saved. Uh, it was even listed on the Register of Historic Places in 1980, but it remained unoccupied until it was purchased in auction in 1994 by Sharon and George Ludke. I'm guessing. Um, names are hard. Um, <laughs> they still own the mansion and try to re- and try to restore it in its former glory. It says, believe it or not, um, but the Ludke the Ludkes um, bought the mansion on impulse. Uh, They wanted to turn it into a hotel, but shortly after the buy, they learned they couldn't get promised grant money for restoration. That didn't stop them. With donations and money um, made by giving guided tours, the two gradually um, restored the mansion as it would have looked like. In 2017, they were even awarded by the Alton Historical Commission um, for the preservation work they'd done on the front porch and the conservatory. Um, It says Sharon saw her first ghost about six weeks after buying the mansion. She was working in the garden. And when she looked up, she saw a man looking at her from behind one of the windows. Yeah, no, no, thanks. Um, She was shocked because nobody was supposed to be inside the house. Uh, When she inspected the house, there was no one there. Later, she found some old pictures of Paul Leichinger and it was him. He was even wearing the same clothes as in the picture. Ew. Yeah. (laughs) I don't like it. Um, it says, Paul Leachinger isn't Sharon's only ghostly encounter. Uh, months later, she was hugged by a ghostly presence. No, thank you. Um, when this ghost appeared more often, she started naming her Sarah. Why would you just, like, give it a name and let it hang out? I don't know, whatever. No, okay. you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to do that. Um, she was touched by the fact a psychic who contacted the ghost told her or told her her name was Sarah Wells. The book in the mansion's library even had her name written in it. Uh, Sarah used to be a servant at the house, and she was a very she was uh, she's a very friendly ghost. She likes to hang around in the attic, and she likes wearing perfume that smells of lilies. Okay, but like, would a servant have been wearing perfume? Who knows? That's what I want to know. I mean, yeah, fine, but like, that just seems like a ghostly smell of some old rich lady not like mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the servants you know i mean yeah i don't know yeah. whatever um so some of leachinger's tenants um complained of hearing children's laughter in the middle of the night this was strange because there were no children on the property yeah. perhaps these were the two children of henry and eleanor mcpike who died at a very young age their little bodies are buried in the private cemetery they now haunt the backyard <laughs> Um, the headstones are now broken and unreadable. Um, it says the wine cellar is the most active area in the house. Uh, voices and footsteps have been heard. A mysterious mist tends to follow people around in the cellar. And the massive metal door scrapes on the floor as if somebody pushes it. Ooh. No, <laughs> sorry, I was like yawning when I made that noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, it's very ghostly of you. Good job. I know, I just like, oh, that sounded a little... Like a ghost moan, but no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It says, Paul and Sarah are the most common spirits at the house, but there are more. During a ghost tour, a group was startled when a full apparition descended the stairs. 
Um, she was wearing a beautiful blue gown. Her hair was flowing as if a mi- wind machine was blowing at her, and her feet were fluttering as if she was a ballet dancer. Ew. She was floating a couple of inches above the ground. Perhaps she was the woman who mysteriously died in a bathtub at the house. Um, psychics are convinced of the fact um, Henry and Eleanor McPike still reside in the house. Pacing footsteps, vanishing objects, shadow figures, faces in the windows, orbs, and the sensation of being touched are common phenomena as well. But all ghosts seem friendly. <laughs> hmm. And then it tells you that you can go and tour. Interesting. Which, yeah, that doesn't sound particularly malevolent. I can't say it. Malevolent. <laughs> right? Go. Is that the right word? Yeah, yeah. that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay. I'm like second guessing <laughs> everything that's coming out of my mouth right now as far as English goes. So. Yeah, I mean, it just it does sound pretty friendly. I mean, the most that happened was besides some, you know, startling appearances is a, a little hug. Like, that ain't so bad, really. Yeah, but like, who I wants mean, a cold hug? Yeah, I mean, don't touch me. But also, like, if you're going to be touched, I guess. I mean, give me a little back rub. I don't know. No, that'd be worse, I feel like. <laughs> I, I feel like, on... just don't touch me. But if That's they were the going to touch you, I'd at least want to get some, like, you know, a massage out of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can go to work for that. Um, <laughs> there you go. I have to get... <laughs> I will go pay somebody to do that. I do not want uninvited <laughs> cold touchings <laughs> i got it yeah. okay <laughs> so what was your edit or ask that moment from this week okay so i in no way am calling eric an idiot or an ass but in this case I'm not actually sure that this is even an idiot or ass but moment but it's a moment it was weird it was notable and I'm just gonna tell you because I got nothing else so okay. <laughs> um, so the other day uh, I don't remember what day it was uh, last week Eric was telling me like hey tomorrow you know blah 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 while Killian's at school we need to or I need to go to an offer up meetup Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, we got some errands to do. I'll just go with you. He's like, okay, yeah. So it's going to be, you know, in downtown. And then he, you know, named a, a nearby city, uh, which was a little sketchy all in itself, that downtown area. And he was Yay. like, at, at the gas station. Even more like, better. <laughs> I was like, uh, I mean, it was at noon, so not nighttime. But I was like, uh, why there? And he's like, oh, well. I've done these at gas stations before. And I was like, you fucking have? Like, what? Like, like wait he was a second. Like, he's like, I don't, what's the problem? Like, he didn't, he genuinely did not get it. And I was like, well, it's a gas station. Like, that's a really easy spot to commit a crime and have a quick getaway. And he's like, I don't see why that's different than literally anywhere else. And I was like, well, why don't, so nearby that gas station is like a shopping area. That's, Mm -hmm. it's not really a mall because it's all outdoors, but you know what I mean? It's like a whole, there's lots and lots of shops and restaurants in this like area. It's not even like a bunch of strip malls on streets. It's like a whole like shopping area, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, well, why not? You know, there's lots of parking lots. There's lots of security there. There's cops there all the time. And like, why don't you just have him meet you in that parking lot, like, next to one of the stores? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know why that's more safe than this gas station parking lot. And I was like, well, 
there's cameras. I'm sure there's cameras at the gas station too, but there's cameras. There is actually security because I've seen them there many times. Yeah. And there's a lot of people. So you're going to have a lot more witnesses, which means it's not as likely to happen. And it's not a quick getaway. You have to go through a parking lot full of people and cars. You know, it's not fast. It's Mm -hmm. so it's again, it's less likely to happen. And he just like, after I said all that, like he got it, but he was just like, I don't know why this is even necessary. And like, yes, Eric, you know, was a Marine and does know how to take care of himself in, in you know, sketchy situations, but also like, why don't you just get in don't a invite better, them either, you know, like get in a better situation. And he, he was really struck. Like he wasn't making me feel stupid or anything, but he was really struggling to understand this. And then I realized like, this is, this is so like normal thinking for me. And then I realized like, oh, this is sort of one of those differences in how men and women, not all, sure, but how they think about this. Most. Sort of, how they think about this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Really. And it was, it was, I've never, I never really been in that, that moment before with somebody where that, that difference is so apparent. It just hasn't really happened to me. Yeah. Like, you know, why do like, I care who, where I'm meeting somebody? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just like, it was shocking, like, because I have to think about that all the time when I'm mm-hmm. thinking about when am I going to get gas? What time of the day? Is it going to be dark? Where is it going to be? You mm-hmm. know, like at literally every single thing in a grocery store parking lot. Where am I going to park? You know? Yeah. All of that factors into is this safe? Is this safer than that situation? You know, what is the safest yeah. thing? Like all of that, where time of day, city, everything. Do mm-hmm. I have a child with me? You know, everything. Mm-hmm. Is Eric with me? You know, like all of that. And it was just, it just was kind of mind boggling the difference there. And, and sure, you know, maybe it has to do with Eric's military training also that he is a little bit more comfortable, you know, yeah, just having that to fall back on. But like, yeah, it was, it was really weird. And it, it kind of it, like, it didn't piss me off at Eric in any way, but it kind of just pissed me off in general that I, I don't <laughs> think about that so much, Yeah, you know, like I didn't really realize that, but yeah, you do. And it, yeah. So who's the aspect? I don't know. Criminals, but still, like, it was, yeah. it was just kind of crazy. I just hadn't, yeah. It was just the people who don't make it safe are the aspects. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So yeah, it just kind of, just kind of pissed me off at the world, but also yeah, it was surprising how many of my decisions for just very simple things are informed by that, you know? Yeah. The safety. Yeah. So mm-hmm. anyway, that happened. It was weird. <laughs> Eric Eric is not an aspect. Also, he did change the meetup to that place I wanted him to. And I was like, if that guy who's meeting you, you know, is like, oh, no, I can't, then you're not doing it. And the guy was like, yeah, whatever. Sure. Yeah. And it was fine. So we go. And like, I literally took pictures of this guy. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All of it was weird. I was just like, this makes me feel. And it was because I was still in the car. And I like rolled down the window so I could hear them. <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, am I taking it too far? Yes, but whatever. That's fine. At least I know that. I mean, so. but it's fair. It's not like you're doing anything wrong. And like, oh, yeah. you know, if you like, if everything goes fine, you just delete the pictures and move on, you know? like Exactly. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So. so anyways, it was just, it was weird, but yeah. What was your itch or aspect moment? <laughs> Mine was... I'm going to call, I'm going to go with Travis was a little bit of an ass, but not <laughs> okay. on purpose, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he left his shoes out in the middle of our bedroom floor, right? Okay, fine. Normally, can I walk around them? Yes. So was I an idiot for like running into them? 
sure. <laughs> also, he was a little bit of an ass but for leaving him out. Mm-hmm. I ripped off my pinky toenail. <laughs> oh my god, how? Like, I don't, I don't know, I think I hit like a tread or something. Oh <laughs> god. I was just like smack it. Oh shit! You know, like oh. there was no blood. I was very surprised. There was no blood. It like ripped it off in such a way that it just like ripped off like the top part of it, kind of. And like mm-hmm. it's significantly shorter now and looks a little ridiculous. But like there was no blood. It's a little tender because like hey, there's stuff that's exposed that shouldn't be. But yeah. like it was very interesting. I got lucky. Is what happened. Yeah. But, like, my pinky toenail was just like half gone within a matter of seconds and just like hanging there. And I was like, Oh my God. You know? Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. That's crazy. Just running so, into shoes, man. Wow. Yeah. What kind of shoes were they? Were they like Tennis big shoes? sold? Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I oh. must've hit it just right. Like maybe it was ready to break anyway. I don't know. <laughs> like yeah. I have no idea, but I hit it hard and like just and I think it's because they're like fairly new so like the rubber still or the whatever is on the bottom is still like really sticky you know Mm, like I think it just got caught just right and just like ripped it so yeah what a gross feeling and visual that is I'm glad it didn't bleed though like that's that's it didn't I was really surprised like you can like it's definitely just like short little like nothing now but like it didn't do any damage really other than just making it look funny you know mm-hmm. so yeah wow glad for that my pinky toe I would say is a little sore yeah but yeah, yeah. so I was a little bit of an idiot for running into it he's a little bit of an ass butt for like leaving it out so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well fully just go ahead and blame him because We'll I go like with it. it. Yeah. I wouldn't have tripped over there. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also, could I have paid more attention? Maybe. But eh, you know. it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to us and our shenanigans. You can email us at idgitsandaspetspodcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram under Idgits and Aspets, a supernatural podcast. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes and send us your Idget and Aspet moments for a chance to hear your story on our podcast. Thanks again. Thank you.